podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Chessie Hour. I am your host, Daniel Soff. Two in a row, the new season started. I can't promise that I'll be here every week, um, but I wanted to do something special for you. Uh, obviously, I can feel it. Chelsea fans are excited. There's a reset. There's optimism because we've got a new manager. There's a whole bunch of new players. Um, and I felt like we needed to specifically get someone in with inside industry knowledge on coaching. So I've got Brian and Zinga. Did I say it right? Um, yeah, Brian Zinga. The end is silent. The end is silent. I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, so I'll do a little introduction, but then you, I'm sure you could do a better introduction. But obviously, we've got a new coach and we've had so many coaches. I think there was like three or four different coaches of Chelsea last season. And yeah, for real. Exactly. So I just wanted to, like, as a fan, I've never coached before. So I can say, he done that wrong. He did this wrong, et cetera, et cetera. But I've never coached, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes it, the criticism could be empty. So I wanted to kind of sense check it with someone that's actually done it. Do you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so um, you've you've done coaching for how long? Tell, tell us a little bit about your, your story. Um, yeah, myself, um, I've been coaching for about... Eight, eight or nine years. Um, I, I went to uni to study for something completely different. Um, but one, once I finished, I just decided, um, you know, that industry I was working at the time wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the most important things in coaching is you have to be good with people. Um, yeah. and I think I've got, I'm quite personable. I'm quite, you know, um, people say I good, give good advice and whatever. But um, and I thought, let me merge that with a passion that I have, which is football. Yeah, and I thought, what can I do with that? Become a football coach, basically, and that's how the journey began. Really, I joined yeah. a youth charity in Croydon um, called Reaching Higher. They yeah. gave me like opportunity to volunteer, work with like young people in Croydon, working with them in football, making a difference. Um, and then from there, I began doing my coaching qualifications, level two, B license, um, futsal, goalkeeping, and just a bit of everything to make sure I was able to hey. support young people that I'm working with, basically, because. You know, if you're a coach and you're just telling the goalkeeper, save the ball, but you don't have to give it. Like, <laughs> yeah. You want to give him details, you know what I mean? So I yeah. thought, let me just jump on like a goalkeeper level one and two to support him and, and help. Um, and then from there, I got experiences in the women's game. So I did was a women's first team coach for a year. Yeah. Uh, and and they, they were adults, so which was great. But, um, obviously, watching football from young, you want to work in... Um, 11 aside, work, work with adults, and I thought that would be my first kind of taster. Yeah. So I didn't mind whether it was like male or female. So they're still football players and they still got ambition and determination and, yeah. and great ability anyway. So yeah, from there, went into non league, um, yeah. Suncom Rovers. Um, then I was a manager myself at Tutin Beck Maybe. and um, lost my job there. 
and then I went to Tuna Mitcham. Yeah. Um, with um, a step four at the time with Ashley and Cornelius and Miles. Um, mm -hmm. and and then from there I got opportunity at Reading. Um, for Sweet. coach placement. So um, that was working in the foundation phase. Um, the head of coaching there at the time, Anthony Ferguson, who's my mentor um, now for, through my coaching journey since I was doing my level two, kind of put me on really. Um, and now after Reading, I'm now at Crystal Palace. So I'm working in the foundation phase. Before I was working with the 11s, now I'm on the land. So a wealth of different experiences, yeah. so different types to talk from. So yeah, man, it's been great so far. I've got now. And that's the type of perspective, obviously, like, as a fan, and we've had so yeah. many on, but you've got a different perspective. And I'm, I'm going to get into it later, because obviously this is a Chelsea pod, but you're a Chelsea fan, right? Yeah, 100%, man, since I was five, man. Yeah. Um, that's when my journey started. Um, I got my first Chelsea t-shirt from my uncle. Um, yeah. uh, that's the brand number five, and and I ran with it, really. Yeah. Um, my family, like, support. Like the teams we support is quite mixed. Um, but um, like my dad grew up in Tottenham when he first came to England, so he supported Tottenham. My mum, she had a scholarship from Angola to study at Russia, then she came to England. But she used to watch Arsenal because she liked Ian Wright. Um, yeah. so <laughs> so the mix is crazy. But I decided to follow Chelsea, and I've never looked back since. To be fair, so yeah, I'm so, out. So obviously we've got someone that cares about Chelsea with a wealth of <laughs> hands-on practical coaching experience and we need it. Yeah, Before we get into, because we're going to do a deep dive in basically coaching and we're going to use references in terms of the managers that we've had, but we're going to basically hone down in, okay, let's try to understand from what we know of Poch, is he going to be good for Chelsea or not? And then the first mm. thing we're going to talk about is just expectations for the season. How, how can we project? Obviously we, Look, there's still going to be transfers to be done, not just by Chelsea, but by other teams. But at this point, how do you, how kind of well are we prepared are we to to compete? And we're gonna that's going to be the the last part. But I want to talk first about the preseason game. It's been the first game of preseason. I've just watched the half. I tried to watch the whole thing, but I'm so time pressed. But Brian, you've watched the full game, right? Yeah, yeah I watched the game. Okay, cool. So, what would you say are the points? The, that you came away from watching that game? Um, I, I, I would say it's like a, a tale of two halves, to be fair, if I, if I was really honest. Um, the first half was really exciting. Um, and I think you can see some obvious differences, to be fair. Like the ball speed, the tempo of the game was a bit faster. Last season, I went to quite a few games and I remember the Aston Villa one in particular. Yeah. Um, Oli Walker just dealt with us. Um, and the tempo was a bit slower, but obviously with these new younger players, you can see it's a bit more vibrant, it's a bit more fresh. Obviously, there's a lot of rotation in the team anyway. Um, Cassidy, Santos, Gusto really kind of shone through in that kind of first half. And I think, I don't know about you, but it's so refreshing to see someone like running behind. Do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, like, <laughs> I've been craving, you know, you've got other clubs, I've got people like Julian Alvarez, Gabriel Zeus that would, like, offer that option whereas we haven't had someone like that for a long time um so jackson um i'm not gonna lie i didn't know too much about him beforehand but yeah. it was refreshing to see like his type of profile his speed his intensity when like going to shut down and press like it was so good so the combinations are really really good cassidy santos and, and even chooks um combined really really well kind of like little bird man passes to put someone through um and that's how a lot of really so um, that was great first half, like an overall summary. Sticking on, stick on in the first half, then yeah, yeah, go on. 
Diego Morera Morera played as well. I don't think yeah. he that game that in the game that much. Um, mm-hmm. like Jackson, that we don't we haven't had strikers that running behind. I actually remember I had the same feeling as you when Brozier started to play, and it was like, oh my god, the movement of an actual striker, and then he got injured. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, she, I, I, yeah, go on. Go on. No, I was gonna say, um, I thought um that Trafofana would be able to do that. Like I remember when he, I was at the game. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he made his first like appearance, and I was looking at him. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. you're looking to offer it. Like I think that's from a coach's lens. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm looking at the profile. I'm looking at his um his ability, and as an individual, what can you offer differently? Yeah. Um, I think he's obviously gone off to do a great loan now in Germany and the goal he scored you can see clearly that's what he's trying to do and I hope he bags over there but um, Jackson and obviously Nkuku when he when he came on both offered that same thing can link up can make it stick and then obviously can also with their pace offer him behind and threaten the back line which is important and then obviously for Jackson didn't score but back to the first half um, yeah. from the, the goal the initial goal which came like two minutes in but Cassidy yeah. Cassidy is an interesting one. I don't know if I don't know if I'm saying the, the name right, but again, before this, there was some reticence, uh, apprehension about the idea of him being a pivot player. Um, but yeah. obviously we played the four-two-three-one. That would look like what the shape was it right with Santos and Cassidy as the the pivot. How do you feel like they done specifically that pivot? Um, as a pair, I think they did really well. Um, I was kind of like surprised for about Cassidy as well. I know Santos can do the holding role, yeah. um, pivot and and you know switch play really well, which he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cassidy was really interesting. So there was times where he would be like a double pivot during like the build up, combined mm-hmm. with Santos. But then he would like some parts of it. He would his position would change a little bit, be a bit deeper or pull out wider to get into space. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I loved the most basically, he always put in positions. He always put himself in positions mm-hmm. so like. Um, receive between players Um, and I think we haven't had someone like that um, for I don't know a while obviously Kovacic used to do that but like he would just carry the ball and and attract players and pass last minute but he was looked at kind of demanding the ball so was Santos Um, and yeah I, I think he did well man he was always like cruising finding spaces not afraid to carry the ball and beat yeah. players Um. So yeah, I, I enjoyed his performance, man. He personally was my kind of uh, man of the match. Your pick up, um, and so if he was yeah. your man of the match, because the noise was that they think that he needs one more loan potentially to a Premier League club. Juventus, obviously, like he played in the youth tournament, and so after that, uh, Juventus has been on him. Uh, um, yeah. anyway, but Juventus thinks he's ready for them. I think there's mm-hmm. this with young players and ready and they're like no he's not ready for Chelsea yet but then the Coal situation where it's like we could have had him as part of our squad last season and again being mm-hmm. part of our squad doesn't mean you have to play you have to start do you know what I'm saying but they made we start, yeah yeah they made the decision to loan out Colwell and now we're in a predicament where actually everybody rates him and Colwell kind of holds the cards because he's like do I even really want to I don't know I don't know what he's thinking but again with Cassidy same thing can happen like Let's say we do loan him. I know that they're apprehensive in terms of loaning him to like Juventus, but they can loan him to another club and then 
loads of cl- different clubs want him. Obviously, he's just signed, and I think he's probably signed one of those lockdown Bowley deals. And so we, we like <laughs> yeah, yeah, but- man. What, why why are people so appreh- apprehensive? I've said that word four times, but why are people so reticent to just mm. these young players in the squad rather than loaning them, give them the opportunity to make a name for themselves at Chelsea? I think it's probably just the fear of the unknown and also like the fear of like um, making mistakes. Do you know what I mean? Like I remember um, Ralph Ragnar used to say, like, you have to trust young players and you have to accept that they're going to make mistakes. And I think Wenger said the same thing. Um, it's just a part of who they are. He's 20. Um, the majority of the boys are 18, 19, 21. Um, so it's just, it's just part and parcel. And obviously, with a club like Chelsea, you, in Utopia, you want to be first or second. Do you know what I mean? Like, just like our culture, our history well, of winning for the past, like, 18, 19 years. But then to you know, to trust somebody to do that week in, week out is where a bit like, oh, actually, let's just go and spend X amount on Casado or, or X amount on Enzo. Do you, you know, know what I mean? So, what's funny, though? Like, mm. you say go and spend X amount on Casado, and you referenced earlier about how we've got probably the youngest squad in the Premier League as is right now. Why yeah. not? Own the whole squad if the age thing I know like Casado a year ago people would have said oh he probably needs a, a loan if he came to Chelsea 100% 100% after, you know what I'm saying so why yeah. I, I don't understand this whole they're not ready thing you haven't even seen them do you know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah 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 agreed so and, and I think yes that's what um what was I going to say he he is someone after watching this game basically him and Santos yeah I would keep them Okay. Do you know what I mean? So, like, obviously that means, like, someone like Conor Gallagher, Lewis Hall, I've got my personal opinions about um, Conor Gallagher, and the both of them, to be fair. Um, oh, this is the time to I... say What's that? This is the time to say What are your personal opinions on them? Yeah, them and Stink, man. Like, <laughs> oh! <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, Lewis Hall, I think he could be a great left-back option or wing-back option. Okay. Um, but I don't think, like, even when he came on in the second half, the pair of them... Yeah. The, we see the formation change. We played three five two or three four three, um, a variation, um, and it was just a bit slower. It was a bit like um, a bit more stale, a lot more wall passes, a bit more reserved. Whereas Andre and Casade um, um, were very much progressive. I'm going to position myself to take risk. I'm going to combine um, more freely, more dynamic, and look to play forwards. Um, yeah. Whereas even though Conor Gallagher scored, that, that will probably take the headline of his performance, but that was not the reality, in my personal opinion, from what I've seen. I didn't so, I didn't watch the second half, and I want a little... Yeah. Just for those that haven't watched the match in general, I just want to quickly focus on the first half, then we'll get to the second half. And yeah, the second of course. Be interesting, because for me, I just don't know. It's a blind it's a blind spot for me. But... Yeah. Um, so, Diego Moreira, uh, mm-hmm. what did you think about his performance? Um, I thought it was it was just quiet to be fair. Um, I think he had um some good spells um where like burst of energy, some good driven passes into Chooks or into Jackson. Yeah. But I think out of for example, if him and Santos are the same age, mm-hmm. in terms of like foot, if I was to put football in age as another something else, mm-hmm. he looks younger between the two. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, I feel like he would be someone that would definitely need a loan or spend time with the under-21s, learn England a little bit more. Yeah. Um, 
because there was times where I think during the water break, Pochettino pulled him to the side and kind of Spain. Obviously, we don't know what he's saying, but he's probably saying like, you know, give more or pattern up or like, this is what I want from you, etc., etc. et cetera. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think he's good. He got probably bright potential, but um, also like just, just, just to refer to the second half just a little bit, when Angelo Gabriel came on, you can see the difference yep. between the two and they're the same age. Yep. So um, that's why I would say Morea probably is a good talent, um, but I could do with a loan or 21s. And the football age concept is good, but yeah. then it must be difficult between determining between football age and just ability and quality. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the same age and you could be like, oh yeah, he just needs more experience or one of them is just way better than the other. Yeah, facts. Yeah, facts. So, um, and I feel like um, Angelo is probably better than him, mm-hmm. um, even though he started. Um, and obviously the other right wingers that we have um, are better. That's what I would say, yeah, to get alone or spend time in 21s. Um, but I think you know he's he's a he's a great talent man. Yeah, yeah. Have and, and I'm not even dismissing what you're saying because mm-hmm. Angelo Gabriel's been playing since he was like 16. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, fact, yeah, yeah. To the, so it could be just he needs more experience. But um, yeah. I wanted to talk about Chooks because you referenced you said that he. So I I couldn't concentrate because I was doing a million things. So even though I watched the yeah. first, I still want to kind of probe your opinion. But you said yeah. that you liked what you saw of Chooks in the first half I didn't really see much but what did you like mm-hmm. um I think Chooks is one of those players that I'm I'm not too sure of yeah. like as, as, a, as a Chelsea player and um in the game I think he combined well with the as a three um there were some things I didn't like as in terms of like their positioning as a three during that say time we we're trying to build up yeah. I thought sometimes they were a bit too close Okay. Um, even in the first half, um, whereas the um, tactics are like how you deploy your players, basically. And I think sometimes he could have positioned himself to receive the ball better and maybe not hide as much. Not saying that he was like he didn't want the ball, but um, be in a position where you're an open passer. Demanding, lane, basically. It. demanding, demanding it. I mean, where yeah. there was there was moments, um, maybe I think it's like in the um, seventh or eighth minutes where. I think Humphreys has got the ball yeah. and Santos is screaming at him like he's probably like six, eight yards away from him. He's like, give me the ball, give me the ball. Yeah, Drops yeah. his shoulders quick, another angle, give me the ball. Yeah. Doesn't give it to him. I think he pays it to um, uh, uh, Maiton and then they combine between Santos and um, Casale to get out the other side. Yeah, I think there's a difference. Someone like Tilks, who's been in England, he's been, he understands the culture. Yeah. Uh, I would expect that from him, but I, I didn't really see that. Even you though... You think his yeah, personality though, because and and maybe that's just a slight, and maybe that's but you know there's some people that are gonna be demanding the ball, but then there's other players yeah, yeah, yeah. where actually Chooks again, he's a highly rated talent and he didn't get there yeah. by saying demand the ball, demand the ball. I feel like I've he's always kind of been that kind of calm, composed star. Yeah, yeah, as assertive, but then that's probably why a lot of the people that make to the top that well, that's a danger in terms of him not mm-hmm. starting at this level. Yeah, agreed. And that, that could be something that will be a part of his, like, his IDP or his action plan of, across the the year or um, years, because he is quite young at the end of the day, yeah, to yeah. add that. But I think quality on the ball is not something that can be denied with him, do you know what I mean, to, um, and his ability to create. But um, 
But yeah, any, man. Any, think, other, any other performances? Think, Max okay, and okay, Go on. You say that stood out for me? Yeah, any other first half performances? Because Matson, I know he scored uh, two goals. Obviously, the people we haven't spoke about is Gusto. Obviously, Reese James injury prone. So, Gusto, what did you think about him? Um, yeah, I thought he was excellent, man. Um, I think he is quick. Obviously, I haven't really, really seen him play. Um, he's quick, he's assured. I don't think he lost too many like 1v1s defensively. Um, always offered for the ball, pressed really well when the ball was lost. Um, and then looked to get forward, looked to overlap, looked to get some crosses in. Um, and it was good. Like, I was thinking in terms of that, Reece James, or he's injured or he's unavailable, I would feel happy to to see him on pitch, basically. Hopefully, he gets to play against either Newcastle or Dortmund later on in prison to see, okay, are you really um, on stuff? Yeah. Um, so, I think that'll be a better assessment because at the end of the day, um, Wrexham might not give him as much problems. Yeah. But yeah, I think he's good, man. I think he's good. And in the defensive pair, Chalabar Humphreys, in any uh, Humphreys, what I've seen on time, and people said they done well, both footed. Um, we always have these type of defenders. Who's that guy? Yeah, that he's so, he, yeah, go on. I was gonna say he's so chilled, man. Like, I don't think anything scares him. <laughs> like, he was sometimes he does that thing that Levi does that stands on the ball, mm-hmm. you know, waits for players to commit, entice them in a bit, and then pass last minute. Um, I think he's quite his deception of where he's gonna pass so he can create like a a penetrating pass through the middle into midfield, which helped Santos yeah. and Kase do what they could do better. Do you know what I mean is similar? Um, where I think he's probably uh, probably a little bit more faster, covers ground much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, man, I think as a pair they worked really well. Um, yeah. I didn't really see too much too much wrong. Okay, cool. at all. And then Cucurella's, I think the final player that we didn't touch on um, anything around him before we get to the second half, which I I want to hear about because I haven't watched it. Yeah, um, Corella was all right. He's just, I'm just not a fan of um, of him like ability wise or yeah. him being like just a Chelsea player. But for the game, I think he did well, man. He did not too much wrong. I think he only got beat 1v1 once. Um, but apart from that, it was quite assured, man. Matson was there to cover him defensively as well. So, like, was all right. Sweet. All right, this second half, you got to let me know what happened. Because obviously Nkunku came on, Sterling came on, what I know. But tell me about the second half from your uh, perspective. Um, yeah, yeah. So the second half, obviously, it's pre-season. There's going to be loads of changes. Um, and the formation changed, which was quite interesting to see. Because I thought, actually, you know, 43-1, um, keep it going, keep it flowing. Yeah. But then I think from a coach's perspective... It's something I would do anyway. Do you know what I mean? To rotate a little bit, get everyone to play in, um, see as many players as possible. Um, and as obviously knowing Pochettino is a formation that he's played um over his like coaching years at the different clubs. So um but then at the same time, you could clearly see like um the differences. I think the, the tempo of the game was much more slower. Obviously, even though there was like refreshing subs. Um, that's when the the problems come with sometimes being the back three. The distances between the three of them um, was hard. I think in at the back at the time it was. I think I wrote it down. Um, Chalo Humphreys and um, Gilchrist. I, I don't know how to say his name. Okay. Um, um, so like the distances 
on either side of them were became like more exposed. So there were times where Mullins were able to get in behind or they'll play long and like put him through. Um and it's not as managed as it was in the first half, basically. Um the control aspect of it was gone with the possession. Um and then I think what was frustrating, even though Nkuku came on and I think he obviously he scored and stuff, mm-hmm. the I was only in the last ten minutes where we're it was a bit more action packed, but the yeah. rest of the time, I think we struggled to find him. Um, yeah. And I think that's where that's what I was saying earlier about the positioning of the midfielders. Um, he was or in looking midfield. to second half. He was in midfield. Time, um, yeah. Conor Gallagher. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Santos Casade. Oh, they stayed on, yeah. And they stayed on for a bit, and then Santos came off for Lewis Hall. Okay. Um, I think after maybe like five or ten minutes. Um, but the difference was the intention of like, let me get my eyes up basically and see if I can get the ball into Nkuku. And there were times where he would run in behind. There were times where he would drift into maybe that into the left half space or the right half space to look on to get onto the ball. Mm-hmm. But the balls are not coming. So a lot of the time, we we'll lose the ball, Rex and keep it, and he's just running and trying to you know trying to press the ball and stuff like that. But it did it didn't look as fluid or as great. Whereas if he played in the first half, it would be completely different. I'm sure he would have backed too. And, and yeah, but I'm just trying to get it straight. So, yeah. what was the midfield? Obviously, are you saying that this problem was still happening when Santos and Cassidy were still on? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the, the, the problem was still there, but in terms of the forward line as well, just to kind of make like connect the two parts, yeah. um, Sterling was up, um, on the left and Kiki yeah. was up front. Um, Angelo was playing right wing back. Yeah. However, now they're really, really wide. Okay. And now there's not obviously where Chook, whereas Chooks was, let's say, the middle piece. Yeah. If if I'm I get my head up, let's say Humphrey could get up his head up and find Santos and then either get Jackson or Chooks. Yeah. But now it's just in Cuckoo, but Wrexham have got now three or four players blocking that that pass to, to go through. Right. Now your 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 thought process is gonna be like oh, I can't do that. Let me do a cross turn and and recycle yeah. possession. Do you so, see what I'm saying? So like, a lot of the passes are playing. So it was, was it? it was the formation change you're suggesting that potentially made it difficult to get the ball to the striker. Yeah, yeah, I I, I personally think so. I'm not saying that they weren't trying to move to get onto the ball or what Sterling or Angelo were trying to do, but it was a bit slower. Yeah. Um, or the intention was just a bit. Um, um, wasn't as like risky if that makes sense. Yeah, that the difference is like if if fans were honest, they would see the difference was a bit um was mad. So that's why I'm like like oh um maybe four two three one or four three three or whatever it might be a better option moving forward, especially given the types of players we've got these young exciting players who are will be brave and look to play forward anyway. Yeah. Any other second half kind of performances that are noteworthy? Um, wow. I would say um, Conor Gallagher. Um, I would say, yeah, like I said, not not the biggest fan. Um, I think he's a great person, like personality for yeah. the team. Which obviously, that the Chelsea DNA and stuff like that. But on pitch, I think sometimes I think it plays a bit too safe. Okay. Whereas knowing his ability, I know you can make the passes. Um, the forward passes, the penetrating passes that um, is needed at times, or you can even carry the ball the same way Casale did during the first and second half. 
Yeah. It's not like what we're asking of you or what is, is beyond you, if that makes sense. Um, and in anybody else, I think Ster Sterling as well. I think Sterling 1v1, um, well, going forward, basically, can be better. And yeah. I thought, from a coach's perspective, I'm looking at it like the small details. Like sometimes when the ball is played into him, he's stopping the ball dead straight away. Mm. Whereas when you stop the ball dead, you now have to do some another action which takes another second, which brings the defender and you have to do a skill or drop shoulder, etc. Yeah. Et sometimes he can receive the ball, his touch direction could be into space, and then we can look to go and carry and then be progressive and use a lot of of his other strengths, if that makes sense, like his speed and um his like his ability to travel with the ball at, at, at a good tempo, which scares defenders. But at times where it's a bit like not the sterling that I saw at City or at Liverpool, mm. where I, I feel a bit like, even though you're not at that club, those things are still in you, yeah. if that makes sense. So just challenge it and <laughs> do your thing, basically. Um, and then, um, yeah, I think there was one moment where we was on a counter-attack and then, like I said, Sterling was carrying the ball, but then not getting his eyes up to make the right pass into Angelo. It could have been another goal-scoring opportunity. Yeah. But he looked to kind of force the ball into Nkuku, but he wasn't ready for it. Um, and But yeah, besides that, I think everyone else was um, was fine, to be fair, in the, that with the second half changes. changes. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously Sterling's the kind of one of the only senior players there. So you'd expect Sterling to almost be a leader in this regard. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. But do you um, feel like he can carry that? He's good enough at this point? Because the what you've just kind of suggested is that the Liverpool Sterling, Man City Sterling, that's not the Sterling you're seeing at Chelsea. So uh, it projects into the season. Do you want to see Sterling have that leadership role and start regularly for us? Or do, are you like the young guys? They're, they're more exuberant, you know, they're quicker, whatever. What, what, what do you think about Sterling's role for this season? If if you was in charge, <laughs> um, if I was in charge, I think the conversation I would have with Sterling is like, um, I would want you to stay and take ownership of that left wing role. Um, however, it has to be based on what you're given, and and there has to be some sort of comparison to himself. Like I wouldn't look at other wingers and say like you need to be more like him. Yeah. I would tell him like of you doing what. I'm let's say um what I'm suggesting or what Poch might suggest to him to be a bit more progressive and aggressive with the ball going forwards and look to create and score, which he can do with ease when he's when he's in that in that bag, basically. Yeah. Um and I think in terms of leadership, I don't think um I wouldn't put any like any kind of captaincy responsibilities or anything like that yeah. on him. He will naturally do that anyway. If he, yeah. I think he lead by performance, showing the standard on pitch, and obviously in training, he will probably play and train at an intensity, which is fantastic that he does for um, that he did for City, Chelsea, and England as well. So the the talent and ability is there. It's just are you going to produce? And if not, then there's people on the side waiting. Do you know what I mean? So and that are younger, and I'm sure would seize the opportunity. But I hear it. And Sterling's up. Yeah, most experienced prem proven player, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's a sticky one. What I was gonna ask is with Sterling uh winger. Uh we don't know if he's gonna stay, but Angelo Gabriel, who again scored or didn't done the assist. Um, yeah, we've got him. 
obviously Diego Moreira, where after that game, I'm sure people in their mind have already filed him in that he needs a loan camp. Um, yeah. We've got Noni as well. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got a lot of wingers, but we're still linked mm-hmm. to someone like Turkey and stuff like that. I, my question to you is, from all of the talent we've got that can play wide, do you feel like we have enough or would you still like to see someone coming? I think we have enough okay. to like challenge, to threaten um, and to like impact, get us top six or, you know, top four if everyone's on it. Um, that's why we wouldn't want continue to buy. If you continue to buy, it just causes more problems for everybody else, if that makes sense, all these other players that we're spending money on. Um, but that's why my conversation with, with those forward players in general, all of them, will be a bit more like, Come on, guys! It's 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 a new revolution. It's a new time, but it's also time to to net. It's time to score. It's time to be aggressive one v one and kind of reassure yourself that um, we're even though the world might see us as a you know let's put them to the side. Chelsea are going through a crisis or blah blah blah. Let's show them different. That's what will be my conversation with the forwards and just be clinical, which was great to see from. Um, Jackson um, giving so much of a threat going forward and same thing for Nkuku when he did get his um, chances yeah. or opportunities and that Nkuku chance yeah I've seen people yeah. miss that chance I've seen a lot of yeah yeah, yeah yeah so it went in but I've seen especially when you go past and you're a little bit wider than the goal um, yeah. I've seen so many people miss that goal so um, you should be scoring Many miss. Yeah, what was you gonna say? Um, what's so funny? Um, there was an offside opportunity which was exactly the same, probably about maybe like eight or six minutes just before that. Okay. Um, whereas he like he skipped the keeper clean, like step over yeah. off to the right and then scored or would have scored, but uh, he just didn't. So that's why I'm I'm sure that these boys can do it. It's just now. You know, away games, home games at Stamford Bridge. Are you gonna? Sh- are you gonna show up? Are you gonna score the goals that we need to win? Because yeah. this is Chelsea, bro. So and and with with Nkunku, I feel like mm-hmm. what you've said is kind of what I'm worried about in terms of when I just looked at the stats. And again, I I haven't watched much of him, so this mm-hmm. is, don't inherit this as this is true. This is just what the stats. <laughs> yeah, 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 the stats was telling me that actually, as a finisher, he's cold. But yeah. how often does he get the chances to shoot and score? Do you know what I'm saying? There was he, he compared to statistically doing the comparison, finishing yeah was high on, but he just didn't take as many shots as the top goal scorers. And obviously he's mm-hmm. not always played goal scorer. And so yeah. for me, that's almost a thing where it's like with Havertz, with you know, we've had it feels like we we said it earlier in the pod, it was just so good for Jackson to see someone running in behind. And that's because he's always yeah. a striker. And it feels like for so long, we've had someone up front that wasn't trained to be a striker. And Nkunku yeah. again wasn't trained to be a striker. So I yeah. don't blame him for not necessarily always being like, find, knowing how to get into the chance, uh, the place to take chances. But mm-hmm. one of the things was that, yes, he's good at finishing, but how many shots are you taking? The Salas, the Canes, the Lewandowski's, when they get those high amount of goals, it's not that, that mm-hmm. they're best finishers. Actually, they're popping shots off. And so yeah, 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 yeah. 
And so when we're looking at this 4-2-3-1, I'm very intrigued to see if, is it going to be Nkunku and Jackson or is it going to be Nkunku or Jackson with someone behind? Because I think that's going to be significant for me. But we're going to come back. We're going to go for a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about just basically Poch and just basically managers in general, what makes a good manager, what makes a bad manager, all of that shit. So I'll see you after the break. Let's talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They're stretched khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So how do you get them? You go to birddogs.com forward slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Okay, we're back. Um, so we talked about a game and now we want to get into basically management coaching. So my thing is, um, and we'll get into opinions of people like Potter, and Lampard, etc. But with Pochettino, obviously, he was coveted when he was at Spurs. He was coveted. Uh, Man United wanted him. I think Roman Abramovich wanted him. Um, he went to ended up at PSG. Um, I don't think it was that great there, to be honest. But he's back yeah. here. Um, I just want to talk about managers in general, and then we'll go. Yeah. But. What would you say, because you work in an industry, what would you say makes a good manager? Oh, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I don't, I don't think there's like a correct order of things, but I think there are like some key um, like considerations, attributes, whatever you want to call them. Um, I think personality is massive and your ability to work and connect with people, whether you're just a coach or whether you're um, managing at the highest level of the game. Um I think your personal philosophy, like what you stand for, your values are critical to to like um, help you withstand your tenure, like at whatever club you are at, because players need to buy into that. You almost need to be able to persuade, seduce players into your ideas of what you want from them, um, how you're going to deploy them on a the pitch, what your strategy is, um, which then links nicely to the then the playing philosophy. Do you know what I mean? So how you want to play your style. Um, are you clear? Do you have like clear principles or um, in possession we're going to do this or out of possession we're going to do this? In transition, I expect this. Um, um, so I think those are key very, three. very important. What do you say? Those are the key three. So you mentioned personality. Yeah. Which is more, I guess, the charisma side of things. Yeah. But so how is that difference between like the personal value and the ability to persuade? Is that one and the same thing or would you say it's different? I personally think it's different because um, you could you could present yourself however you want to present yourself. Do you know what I mean? So you could let's use Jose Mourinho as an example. Yeah. He was lights, camera, action. Yeah. You know Hollywood. But yeah. I'm sure the flip side, when he's connecting with these players, he's not treating them like that. Obviously, he might be demanding. He might be strict. Um, he might hold high standards. But he, I'm still he's got strong relationships with all of these different players that. Talk to talk about him with glowing words, you know. Yeah. Obviously, if you were playing for him regularly, but if you weren't playing for him, I'm sure you still have some sort of positive things because he would have added value to you. If that makes sense, 
that's yeah. why I think they're different. Um, so, and then, are, like, you, like, so are you suggesting that you could have personality without no relationship building skills? I think, I, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. Because I think managing people or connecting with people is different. Like, you could be an extrovert, um, um, and but struggle to build intimate one-to-one relationships, which you in football you would have to do. You might be not so great at... Um, you know, talking to units of people or small groups of people to get the best out of them, obviously, because this is the environment you're you're talking, you're, you know, expressing your views with these players um, in these kind of small detailed moments. Um, you know what's interesting? Because people say that Lampard's charismatic. I don't buy it. But <laughs> yeah. when you're talking about that, if people do believe he's charismatic, but mm-hmm. I think said in terms of getting people to play with you, I would say, because we talk about what's a good manager, and I agree with those kind of, I think you've mentioned personality, then obviously this kind of like relationship building through personal values, mm-hmm. and then the other ones, the, the playing philosophy. Yeah. I, I actually think with a lot of managers, when you cannot, like, if you can't get people to do what you want, and if they're mm-hmm. if not motivated to do it, then you you can be, you can have all of the the playing philosophy and styles and principles but no exactly. one so uh, out of those three if you were to pick a manager and you were to know either they had the personality or they had the personal values or they had strong playing philosophy which one would you say okay bring that one in <laughs> um i think my my biased utopia decision would be pep um, I think he's got the balance of all three but obviously no, he's but I'm not asking for all three I'm saying they only have oh. So they either oh, have to pick one. Yeah. So either you got a manager and he's high on personality, but yeah. on the rest, you got another one high on the personal values, weak on the rest, or yeah. third one high on the playing philosophy, etc., uh, etc., et but weak on the rest. Which one do you think will do best? Oh, um, I think the person with um, strong relationship building skills. The reason why I say that is because. If you look at um, examples like Sir Alex, yeah, um, everyone talks about his man management ability, how he dealt with players, big egos, small egos, um, getting loads of minutes, not getting so minutes. But no one ever really talks about his tactical X, Y, Z. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, he, he had charisma, um, but but more so you hear about his ability to connect and you know strive with people, etc. But then you can employ people who are better than you at other things. And I think as a manager, as a coach, you have to be very self-aware. What are your strengths and weaknesses? Um, and you have to be harsh within yourself because then you know, okay, my assistant manager might take majority of training sessions, but it might be my personal views, but I may not be so great at planning the session or the details of the session or um, the roles and responsibilities or what my right back to do, the left back, et cetera, et cetera. That's why I think the 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 building relationships with people is critical because, and, yeah. And I was going to say, so Pep, for you, you think he has all three? Yeah. All right. I think, cool. I think yeah. You think what? What are you going to say? Oh, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say all, the, all the best managers, like, ever um, have all three. Okay. But it's obviously, like, um, it's like getting a first, basically, at uni. You're, you're obviously, to get a first, you need 70% and above. Well, yeah. I think the greats all have 70%, 70% and above, but they're just, you know, 
lower than other people's first, and if, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so I think I think per, like Pep has got all nineties probably in in them. You might not like it, or but it's just I think he's the best. So as same as Alex, same as Ancelotti, same as uh, Mourinho. Is you know what I mean? So so you think yeah, all, of those, all of those guys you you mentioned they hit all three at least to yeah. the seventy percent? Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. Okay, cool. So in terms of what makes a bad, if I was to say, what are the signs you see when you think oh, that's a bad manager? What type of symptoms would you see looking on? Um, I, to be fair, I would, I would still use um, all three of those um, things, basically. Um, style of play, um, the, the personality, um, and their kind of charisma um, to obviously, because you, when you're a manager, you have to do the media stuff and how you present yourself. I think when you're not doing those three things so great, the results, which is probably the most important one, will be evident and see, like, you see more time negative results. Um, and there's examples where we had um, Potter, AVD, Lampard, um, uh, Avron Grant in some aspects some, at some periods of time, but Scolari, um, where they, the, the mix of the three is not is unbalanced and is always wrong, if yeah. that makes sense. So that's why, from a coaching perspective, when I'm listening or I'm watching their post-match press conferences or I'm reading their books, this is what I'm trying, this is what the insight I'm looking for, not just their tactics or overlap or invert back. All of that stuff is just on, based on the ability of your players. But those three things, you can see them and feel them a bit more. And those three things, we'll get to whether you think Poch has those three things later. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What I want to ask you now is, what percentage of managers would you say have those three things to like that 70%? Um, so like, how hard would it be? Because we've cycled through so many managers and obviously we're at Poch now. I don't want you to say whether you think Poch has it. But <laughs> in terms of us finding the manager, Chelsea, we'd need that yeah. manager, right? That has all three things to accept because we're trying to compete at the highest level. And so yeah. what, ages, what is the talent pool for uh, competent managers at the highest level, would you say? Um, I don't think there is a lot of high quality managers right now. Um, in terms of like the rest of them, obviously the best of the best are at their rightful clubs, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. club, Ancelotti, you know, Mourinho's obviously kind of kind of doing down, he's doing his Roma thing, but the best of the best are all fully booked or doing international, or whatever. Um, but everybody else is on the come up or is now building their kind of resume catalogue, building their teams, um, etc. So that's why I think for Chelsea it probably took a long time to find a person who could do all three things, let's say, or could fit in the current climate that we are going through, if that makes sense. If it was easy... Go on. go on, you go. I was going to say, um, if it was easy, um, they would have hired someone straight away. We wouldn't have needed a flat ground part. Right, 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 right. Um, you see what I'm saying? 100%. Um, and do you think you can spot because I think it's easy to tell or to retrospectively like okay this guy's won loads of trophies he has all three do you know what I'm saying they're successful yeah, 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 yeah. can you spot the guys with all three before they've won on the come up and if mm -hmm. you can 
do you have examples of guys out there now where you feel like he's he's gonna do well because he's goal free? Um, I think from a, a club perspective, um, I remember um, reading a, a article um, or a book about Southampton. Basically, Southampton have like even though they have a current manager, they never settle to what they just have. They're always looking for who is someone that can align with their values and so on and so forth. So you have to kind of think like that. Um, and I think for me, from um, from what I've seen so far, I think um, Xavi, Arteta, Ten Hag, I put Pochettino in that category as well, um, De Zerbe, um, Eddie Howe, just to use some prem managers as well, um, the Napoli manager, Spalletti, he's just, I think he's left, gone on a sabbatical. Um, and, um, oh, what's comes to mind? Um, mm, yeah, I'm going to be biased and say Vincent Company because I just like how he plays. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, you like how his team plays. Yeah, I like how his I like how his team plays and how, obviously, with his given circumstance, how he's been able to stamp his personal values, his style of play. And obviously, naturally, we know his charisma or his aura is very much leadership. Um, and from what you can see how he was as a captain, that's why I would say those managers that I've named are like on the rise. Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah. even um, the Inter Milan manager, Enzaghi, um, yeah. he, in, in his own respect, he's got those three things. It's just different. It's just depending on what you like. Um, what you know, like viewing. Um, so Conte, that's where it just becomes Conte, preference. Does Conte have all the free things for you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, I think he's a superstar. It's just his style of play is just, um, it's like mustard, isn't it? You either like it, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you gave the game away because I wanted you. I didn't want you to say that Poch has all three just yet, but you've already gave, gave the game away. Now I have to think of something else for the listener to kind of. <laughs> but it's minor. What I want to ask you is, with any kind of not just football, any type of field, there's things where there's like certificates and degrees where it's like, we're going to hire you because you've got this degree and this certificate. And yeah. Lampard came in, it was like, he's got 150 IQ, so he he must be smart. But when you look around the managers, like nobody's, an IQ, like IQ isn't a determiner for a good manager, clearly, because where are the managers with a good IQ? Plus the IQ test, like we all know that, you know, uh, it discriminates against if you don't speak the English language and it's biased to Western countries. Plus, like, the IQ test, not even just football, like, if IQ test was such a good determiner of anyone doing something successful, why Steve Jobs, all of these guys, it's not by the IQ, do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, um, I'm with you. The intelligence thing, though, like, intelligence and wisdom will help you in any job, but how how important do you think, not necessarily intelligence, but all of these kind of qualifications are in terms of oh he's got this qualification or whatever because you know about the qualifications but I know that Lampard yeah. finishes qualifications but what about all that kind of IQ intelligence qualification stuff how important do you think that is? Um, I think it's very important I think in any field or any walk of life you need to be educated in what you want to what you want to do to be to put yourself in a position to be the best at it that you can't I can't um for example, just to use a simple example, I can't say I'm a, I'm a great driver if I haven't got my driving license and I'm like doing it in a risky way. I'm hiding and ducking and diving. Do you know what I mean? So I need to get qualified 
to to say that now yeah I'm I'm legally allowed to drive and I'm over time through experience I'm going to get better at it and then I might be able to drive those fast cars and you know be risky and etc cetera, etc cetera. it's the same thing with football or any walk of life you need to get your qualifications you need to study um wherever you're from um whatever country you're from to help you um put yourself in a position to be hired to be looked at um and then the in terms of the intelligence thing that now comes to your view on the game. Whatever your style of play is or whatever you think your personal values are, et cetera, et cetera, um, you now have to study that. So the, the managers who I said are, let's say, high potential on the rise, are it's clear and evident that they're studying their style and they're doing their thing, whatever their beliefs are. Do you know what I mean? Even Sean Dice, I watch a podcast, uh, Sean Dice's high performance podcast. He has strong beliefs and he is constantly studying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, um, which is which is fine, but you can see that you're a student of the game. I'm just not a fan of like the express kind of journeys. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, I'm not a fan of those journeys too, and we'll get to that. But yeah. I disagree with you, by the way. And the reason why I yeah. disagree is maybe you didn't understand how I framed the question. But so, for mm-hmm. instance, I work in technology, and there's yeah. no that might come out of university with computer science degrees, and yeah in the programming job whereas the, there's guys that have been programming since they were 15 and they didn't go to you so they don't have the degree and it's like okay does that certification tell me who's better not necessarily mm-hmm. and so whilst i understand that certification is important for verification and there's a process and etc does that really tell us who's a good manager and who's not a good manager that's kind of what I was oh yeah no no okay when you put it like that the answer is no but I think it does help to have those things. Yeah, it definitely you know what does. I mean? Yeah, yeah that's that just my personal viewpoint. Like, uh, I can't now say um, I'm only going to have my level one qualification and, and I want to be the, the manager of Chelsea. But there's certain things I haven't been exposed to or understand or be able to inform the players on because of their personal experiences. They've been in academies, clubs for a long period of time. I need to be in a position to support myself. For someone who, let's say, started doing programming at 15, they've got um, practical experience by doing it themselves. They've had support with people with more experience around them, et cetera, et cetera. So there's still some sort of, you know, um, and, calling and he, in that perspective. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. So let's say a scenario where someone that has been coaching because they yeah. were as a player, they got injured, they've been coaching in the academy for ages, but they just haven't done their... Uh, the certification they can yeah. still be a great coach without being certified that's not saying yeah. that the certification is wrong or it's useless because yeah. in everything do you know what i'm saying i'm not going to get into just some random or like again with uber you go in you see oh this driver has this many stars or whatever do you know what i'm saying you, <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but at the same time it doesn't necessarily tell you you can't trust who's the best just because someone's got a certificate that's kind of I my agree. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So the next thing I want to talk about was experience. And experience is interesting because if you look at it, a lot of times people want sexy young managers. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. young, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So if experience was so important in determining who's better, then why again would there be a trend for young managers? And so, how come some managers, like Mourinho, you said that he's not doing as well as he's once done? If experience was everything then surely as you get older you should be getting better right so i wanted to mm. ask you in terms of managers how important is experience 
Um, I think it's I think it's invaluable. Um, but it's just in terms of like it's invaluable, but it depends on what you make of your experience, if that makes sense. So like you, we can we can both be managers, but my experience as a manager might not be as fruitful, it might not be, I'm not learning from my mistakes or I'm not being proactive and getting better. You might um you might be doing your thing, learning, reflecting, analyzing, being really intentional with what you want to do. I could just be just doing it for doing its sake and just cruising. So I think it just depends on how you use your experience, if that makes sense. So um obviously as you get older, um I think for example in Pochettino's press conference, his first one, um he said because of all the, the different clubs that I've been at, all these different experiences, the players that I've worked with, I should be a better manager. Now, he's been a manager, I think, what now is it? I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years. He's he's even openly admitting it. Now that I've been through these different scenarios, I should be better and I hope to be better because during this time I've been off, I've been reflecting, I've been studying or whatever he's done in his external life to make himself better. I think it just it just depends on how you use that experience because uh, even still 11, 12 years is still quite young in it, terms of it, like managerial lifespan. But then, so my kind of question is, yeah. is Pochettino a better manager than Arteta because he's got more experience as a manager? Or, this is what I'm saying, how important is experience? Because again, you look at Mourinho, if all of the experience he's had, he should just yeah. be mentally getting better. But it doesn't work like that. Yeah, I I think the the set but context is important. So like, what is going on in your experience is important. Um, for example, I always say the reason Jose Mourinho fell off after he lost his job the second time at Chelsea. From that point onwards, it was a downward spiral. Why? Because I think that probably had a, like a psychological impact. It was a bit deeper. He had just won um the league. Is I think obviously it was a time where he wanted to continue to invest. The club were thinking a bit different wasn't playing as great, style of play, tension, all of those things now have an impact on you, if that makes sense. And what um, you might deem, despite of your experience, will now impact your decisions and your performance and your ability to perform in whatever your role is. So that's why I think even though you're getting older, um, it might not mean, okay, just because I'm now I'm 60-something, I'm just going to be the best manager in the world. Yeah, I think... Then- so someone someone like Pep is an example of I'm getting older and I'm uh, an innovator. Yeah. I'm always assessing, I'm always thinking what's better. I'm always taking one moment at a time to um how are we gonna play against Newcastle, how are we gonna play against Arsenal? And you and there's always something different. Right. You know what I mean? It's 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 uh, that's that's a like a prime example of um getting why experience could be critical but with that kind of reflective mindset you can't just collect your infinity stones and just think yeah I'm just going to be the biggest and the baddest it doesn't work like that even even the silence was the same he just did it a bit differently yes so this is where I want to get more into personality because I think what you've done is important personality in terms of oh this guy Pep's got an innovative mindset and so this is is my theory that I wanted to, to bounce off of you and it's difficult because do you know what I see? I see it with Chelsea all the time. We always swing yeah. pendulum to pendulum. So one minute we'll get like a young manager and it'd be like young, young, young. And then that one will fail and it will get someone mad old. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get someone where it's like, oh, expressive football. Then that will fail. It's like, no, we'll get someone that is just pragmatic and just wants to win. Yeah. And I feel like there's this kind of um, 
one of the kind of extremes that we were playing with is the humble manager and yeah. then, uh, you know, the confident, the brash, the charismatic manager, right? Yeah. There can be an in-between. But the reason why I bring it up is because I think when you talk about Pep always kind yeah. of to, you know, change and stuff like that, I feel like mm-hmm. ego is... I'm, I think uh, Mourinho, uh, Conte, they've got massive egos, maybe even Pep. Oh. Like, the thing is with ego, it's the opposite to being humble and having humility. And I feel like yeah. the difficulty is when you're on the come up, and I remember Jose Mourinho had a team with him, right? Yeah. Went everywhere. But then I remember slowly, this guy that was with him for 15 years, he fell out with Mourinho. He's gone to go and yeah. go else, et cetera, et cetera. And so... When it becomes, oh, actually, when he came to Chelsea, it was like, it was me and my team doing it. Me and my team doing yeah. it, et cetera, et cetera. But I think with ego, it's difficult because we, if you have to accept that you can be wrong. Otherwise, you don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so that's why I see, like, there's some managers that, I think Rodgers is one as well, where they get to yeah, the yeah. and then their ego, because they believe they've got it all figured out and they're not humble and open, that takes them yeah. down. Um, yeah. Because as you said, it's a relationship thing as well. And if you make it about yourself, then the players will be like, okay, I'm not going to ride with you anymore because you're making it more about yourself. And that's what ego can do. But we know that yeah. times Mourinho, Mourinho almost sacrificed himself for the players. And I feel like the thing is, managers in bad times, stuff that actually are positive can be negative. So like, we know that Mourinho was meticulous at Chelsea in terms of yeah. so many players came out saying, I know exactly what my opposition is going to do because Mourinho's prepared this meticulously. And so it's yeah. all like Mourinho was in service for them. But then I remember there was a time at Man United where Mourinho was saying, I have to be Luke Shaw's brain. I have to tell him what to do. And that's where you go <laughs> to micromanaging. And this, yeah. is, this is why I'm saying it's like positive traits can go over and become negative traits. And that's why I feel like some managers, in the positive moments, they're more in service of the team. In the negative moments, the things that are positive, like courage and self-confidence, that can turn into narcissism. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because, yeah. And, and so it's difficult. And that's why when you said, I think you said talked about earlier in terms of managing yourself. Yeah, managing, yeah, yeah. So managing all of that type of stuff. I think personality is so important. And I think on the other side, you've got the humble managers, like the yeah. pop, all that type of stuff. And I think the humble manager can get you to the top because again, we I heard it from Brighton and I heard it even at Chelsea, it's like they feel it that this person's in service to them. But the problem is, again, the humility can be taken for weakness, right? Especially yeah, yeah. big club like that. And I think the getting the the, the getting the balance right is so difficult. And I feel like the best kind of balance is to be kind of in service of the squad because I think I think that's what Pep does I feel like that's what Mourinho does at his best but at the same yeah. time you have to be mad competitive and the thing is yeah. I could got the humbleness for him but I never saw him being mad competitive and so yeah. that's why I'm bringing it into it now and we can kind of start talking about Poch right now is I'm yeah. trying to assess as a fan because he's got the humility stuff I'm yeah Assess, does he have the competitiveness? Because if you have the humility without being competitive, then these players are not going to respect you. 
And then that's the beginning of the end, because if you don't respect you, you can't get them to do what you want because they're like, why? We don't believe in you. And I feel like that's the beginning and the end. In fact, just I asked what you thought a bad manager was. I'm from what I'm seeing as a Chelsea fan, just because we've been through so many managers, I feel like <laughs> the beginning of the end, not because again, this is the same with good managers. The beginning and the end is when you lose that connection with when you start alienating players. Yeah, yeah. Our A and players, that's the beginning of the end. And we see it all the time. It happened with AVB. Lampard came in this season and then he, like, I don't even think he even got them on side. <laughs> yeah. He was just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I always see it. It's like, it's so important that you keep these kind of connections. And so um, when I asked you the question before in terms of what's the most important in terms of... What was your three? It was personality... It was the relationship, relationship, but um, the ability to relationship with play well, and you, relationship. Yeah, and, and, and you said that the relationships was the most important with you. I agree. I a hundred percent agree with you because what I find, and I'll let I'll let you kind of say what you think about this, but I've seen it so many times now in football. You're managing so many different important stakeholders. You're managing. You're managing the board. So, like, Bodhi comes in, he's crazy. Tuchel couldn't handle it. He has to manage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you have to manage, because they're going to tell you to do crazy things and stuff like that. You can, you've got to have patience. Do you know what I'm saying? You've got to manage up. You've also got to manage, obviously, just against your... That's normal. You manage against your competitors. You know, you're fighting yeah. against et cetera, et cetera. So you've got to make sure your group is better than the other group. But you're also managing the competition within the squad. And I think we've seen that at Chelsea because... Again, we had so many players and that competition in the squad is so important because if the players are focused more about being competitive within themselves than trying to fight against other clubs, then do you know what I'm saying? You, you don't have a team. You don't have... Yeah. And these players are highly competitive anyway because, again, they're professional football players. And if... This is my thing. I've always preached small squad. If the squad is small enough, then they're going to be like, okay, cool. I don't have to worry about my space because I know I'm going to get games. And therefore, they can be a team and they can focus being that enemy isn't within the group. The enemy is Man United. Yeah. The more players you have, the more your enemy is in the group. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like you've got to manage, as a, as a coach, you have to manage that. You have to manage it so that everybody's not focused on, you know, the kind of, oh, what's best for me, but what's best for the team? And that's difficult. And then also you've got to manage the fans. And as fans, I think it's the same thing. I'm seeing it in Chelsea as well. In terms of fans, yeah, we've got th these different sections that rather than trying to dunk on Arsenal and dunk on Man United, they're trying to dunk on other Chelsea fans because they like other players. And so even if... <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. I feel like as a manager, there's so many things. Uh, the reason I talk about the fan stuff is I remember when Tuchel came in and it was Mount versus Jorginho and stuff like that. But especially in that first bit when he came in, I saw all the fans saying, forget the Mount and Jorginho thing, let's just support Chelsea. And I feel like that's the job. There's so many things that you, as a manager, you kind of have to bring together... And so what's your what's your take on it in terms of Pochettino? We'll get to Pochettino. How well you said you've already said you, he's got the free, but mm -hmm. in terms of the humility and the ego and the ability to manage all these different things, how well do you think that he can do from what you've seen so far? 
Um, I think what I've seen in his career so far, I think he's got um, high potential, like I said, in those three areas, definitely. like I've read his um, his book, Brave New World. It's fantastic, great read. Uh, insight to who he is, scenarios that he did, went through in Tottenham, his background, Argentina, all of that stuff. His Southampton team was excellent um, and did really well. His Tottenham team was, was great and kind of maybe got stale towards that the end of it, but they still achieve, achieved success in Tottenham's eyes. Yeah. And obviously yeah, the, the the context is really important because of the club that where he's at. Tottenham getting to a Champions League final is insane. Like yeah. like um whether the, the players that they have and, and all of that stuff. So for and me that is they were, and they were in and around the top four for ages, which isn't normal for Tottenham and always above Arsenal, which isn't normal for Tottenham. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So I think in that aspect, um he has shown that yeah, he's got he's got the potential to have all three. Now it's at a club like Chelsea. Now you have to maximize it now. He might be getting loads of two ones. Let's say just use the university example. He might get he he's like a two one champion and getting 68, 67 yeah. in all those three areas. Now it's okay, we need you to get to first because of the situation that we're in right now. Um and what's funny enough that you're talking about the kind of the competitive side of it. Um, at half time, yeah, you see when Chelsea had the counter attack 3v2, but the ref blew the whistle, yeah, and, and he ran on the pitch to say, Oh, ref, what are you doing? Like, let the, let the blow you, you let you dig. Um, it was 45 or well, yeah. it was 45 yeah. minutes, like a minute and a half ago, but yeah. um, Rex and on the attack, and we now it's our turn, you haven't let it. That's what I want to see. Like, obviously, I don't know him as an individual, but as a fan, and obviously, now looking at it as a coach, I'm looking for these little moments of like. Can you can you give us a bit more than what we've seen already? Yeah. And even um, going back to his like his post match, I mean he's not post match. Um, his first press conference, um, talking, he's very open and honest. I need to connect with the fans. I need to build a relationship with them. That might be build a relationship with, like I said, with all these different stakeholders: the the uh, the people in in the in the kitchen, the people with the medical, the analysts, the fans, the the forums, the the people like us, the the coaches that are watching him, his own team, all the players. So I think he's being very, very open and honest to say that I'm on it, basically, and I'm on um, building all of this stuff as well as winning. Do you know what I mean? Like the, I think he mentioned the word win about like seven or eight times, do you know what I mean, During, in all of his interviews that he's done so far, um, which is great. And I think that's, that's clear to see of a growth mindset perspective, I'm going to push myself and I'm going to do more. Um, even I was watching when I was watching the game last night. Um, I was watching it on the Chelsea TV kind of app. Um, and then the commentators were saying you can hear Pochettino clearly mm. encouraging by saying press and all of this stuff, blah 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 blah. Because even though it is Wrexham, even though it is first season, there's standards, do yeah. you know what I mean? Um, and even Kieran Trippier said, um, in his high performance podcast, saying that Pochettino's got standards, and if you're not up to them, there's there's consequences, there's things that you need to. Push, and that's at Tottenham. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So um, these are the things I would say, like, are signs of potential of like a of a great manager. Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe, De Zerbi, um, who else is there? Sorry, um, yeah, Eddie Howe, De Zerbi, um, Thomas Frank. Those managers are now like in their say in their individual given um, scenarios have to now give more. If that makes sense, Brian have got to Europa League. They need. To, Deserve it as well as playing good football needs to push more. That might be raising the standards of the club, buying better players. Eddie Howe, same thing. He's done great. Newcastle in the top four. I need to do more. 
you know what I mean? To to, to not establish ourselves. And I think Pochettino is one of those people. Um, one of those people. And now in the situation that we're in right now, he's also very lucky yeah. that he can build a squad from scratch. I can get young, impressionable minds because this is clearly the vision that Chelsea are going with, and I can mold them and um, and which is a little bit easier. Do you know what I mean? As a as a person, basically, or even like I used to work at, like I said, for a youth charity. When you're working with young people, um, you're able to make a difference and impact them. So it's the same thing for coaching. Working with young players, you can impact them and make a difference quicker because yeah. they might buy in. But obviously, what is important in football when you're trying to get buy in, you have to win. Yeah, <laughs> Do you exactly. know what I mean. So like, even if imagine we lost to Rex in one nil, yeah, and that training session is going to be like, even if we play good, ugh, guys, you know, like. <laughs> that's the, the problem start but I think saying that we need to start winning as well as um, developing the team developing the ethos of the club building new culture um, and I think you can do it man so Potter's plan that's my that's my hashtag for now man I'm, I'm here for Potter's plan man. and you know what because I've always been a Poch fan but I might yeah. be buying into Poch's plan just because. <laughs> I'll say, you like that? Yeah, that could be the quote. That could be the quote, that man. Be the quote. But you know what it is. You know what it is. You know what it is. <laughs> the the humble side of him, yeah. the the person I'm I'm here to serve. But yeah. at the same time, I feel like he is competitive. Like you said, the fact that mm-hmm. he went to the pitch, the best managers we've had, Conte, Tuchel. You know, they, they don't yeah. every every single decision they're fighting for. Do you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what a competitor does. At the same time, are you humble enough to accept? Oh, I got that wrong because otherwise you're not going to grow. You talk about growth mindset, and I feel like yeah, yeah. too cool and uh, Conte and Mourinho they they fall out with people. Where I'm thinking actually, Pochettino he's still got his same group. Do you know that group mm-hmm. that he runs with where it's like, it's not just yeah, about... Yeah, the stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, it's not ego because it's not just about him. He's got a group of people that he's sharing it with. And so I think it's an interesting thing because when people talk about how Chelsea should have done more under Roman Bramovich, I think what's harmed us is we haven't had to... We haven't had a manager that we can keep for a long time. But yeah. the reason why is because I feel like a lot of the managers we've had has had the ego and that ego, all like I said, turns into those dark traits and so it's very interesting because Poch might be placed to be that humble guy that's competitive and now he's got all the resources. So it's, yeah, yeah. I want to see how Poch's plan plays out. Uh, Brian, uh, it's been good to have you on. It's been good to have your perspective. I hope you can come on uh, a bit more this season. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, of course, man. Of course, if it works on the schedule like it did today, why not? Yes, yes. All right, cool. That's been Chessie Hour. I need to go watch Love Island because um, <laughs> I'm um, with you, bro. <laughs> of course, of course. All right, all right. Well, um, you'll hear from us next week. Peace. You know what's so funny? The pod is ended, but I just thought of something around the coaching discussion and Brian's already gone, but I thought might as well just do it, a little addendum. But I definitely think when it comes to the ego with, with management and the humility or just being in service to the group, trying to make the team win rather than it being about yourself. It reminded me of John Terry and Frank Lampard um, listening to the Frank Lampard podcast and talking about how they were in the dressing room. Um, I think the best leaders, when they see that vacancy to serve the group, and it's not necessarily about them, it's about being a resource for the team against their enemies, 
which is kind of what John, that's how John Terry was as a leader for Chelsea. It wasn't about me, me, me. Whereas Lampard had the opportunity to have that role in the dressing room, but he just focused on me. And I feel like a lot of the, the managers where it's about them, like I've kind of hinted before, there that's negative thing. It might get you to a place, but does it sustain you a day? I feel like the best managers, it, it's not just about my ego and me getting a tap on the back. And I feel like uh, with Lampard, you guys know I don't like Lampard anyway. A lot of it is just he wants to do management because he wants people to think he's good. Whereas the best managers, it's like, no, 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 let me be a resource for this team. Let me... Let me serve. Do you know what I mean? And it's honest. It's honest place. The fact that Lampard didn't do that as a player, didn't take that role as a player, is uh, why I don't think he's a good manager. He doesn't get it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the truth about management, I think with the best manager, it's a very service oriented role. Whereas Lampard comes in and goes, "You got to show me this. You got to show me that." But Poch will come in and says, "No, this is how we are here to help you," um, and. That's why when I look for the personality of a manager and initially when we we didn't have the information, but I always said that Arteta had more potential than Lampard. That's the type of kind of personality thing that I saw in Arteta compared to a Lampard. And that's why I've got hope for Pochettino. I, li- I, I think I've got a lot of hope for him because I'm sensing that the competitive side is there, but I'm also sensing that like the competitive side that Potter didn't have, uh, and the humble side, but I'm also sensing that he's got the good human side where it's not just about him, like a Lampard or like a... I think even Tuchel had that... Tuchel was kind of the serving and he had a bit of... Well, he had a lot of stuff up to him. But again, that thing can explode that because they're going to play... He may never play for Chelsea again. He will never be forgotten. He's in one. Just came hard. Sports Social Podcast Network.